just days into a brand new year, on Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, concerned family and friends contacted police worried about their neighbours. Police went to conduct a welfare check but didn't see signs of a disturbance, even though no one answered. But these friends just felt like something was off. So despite police not finding cause for concern, they went back to North Albert Drive, Enoch City, Utah, trying all of the doors until they would find one unlocked. And finally, they did. They walked into the home of Michael and Tosha Haight. Tosha had missed an appointment and Michael hadn't shown up for work, which had been what had sparked this concern. Still decorated for Christmas, devastatingly, their worst fears came true. Inside, they found the dead bodies of eight people. 42-year-old Michael, his 40-year-old wife Tosha, and their five children, 17-year-old Macy, 12-year-old Briley, twin seven-year-olds Ammon and Sienna, and four-year-old Gavin. Tosha's 78-year-old mother, Gail Earl, was the eighth victim. Each of them had fatal gunshot wounds. But this was not a case of who could possibly have done this. Hey Coffee and Crimers, I'm your host, Belle Fagan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It quickly became clear that Michael Haight had methodically and deliberately killed his entire family and then turned the gun on himself. Friends and other family members were in utter shock. In fact, the initial obituary published described Michael in glowing terms, praising him for his life of service and dedication to his family, missing out the most crucial detail that it was a murder-suicide that took the life of his wife, five children and mother-in-law and himself. The obituary went on to describe his kids as truly a cherished miracle, again, despite the fact that he was the one that killed them. It also went on to say, quote, He spent many evenings and Saturdays coaching the children's city league sporting teams attending the children's concerts at school, going on side-by-side rides, doing home improvement projects, sledding, and much more. Michael lived a life of service. Whether it was serving in the church or in the community, he was willing to help with whatever was needed, end quote. As you can imagine, social media went nuts when news of this obituary came out. The newspaper that published it was hounded, and within a week, it was taken down largely thanks to a woman named Shannon Watts, founder of Mums Demand Action, a group against gun violence. She shared the obituary on Twitter, and the rest is history. 
The description in his obituary may have been the only Michael that some people knew, but not everyone. Enoch City is a small town of only about 8,000 people, roughly halfway between Salt Lake City and Las Vegas. Most of the town, including the Hates, are active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or more commonly known as Mormons. It's literally the kind of town where everyone knows everyone, and secrets are virtually impossible to keep, meaning that some people knew that Michael at home was not the Michael the public got to see. The police, however, were not a shock to some. In fact, they were already familiar with the family and had actually investigated Michael prior to the killings. Documents released by authorities show that the real Michael was a man who would assault his oldest daughter, 17-year-old Macy, and steal his wife Tosha's phone to secretly read her text messages. According to these documents, this investigation happened in 2020. Macy and her parents were each interviewed separately, and Macy told them some disturbing things. She was 14 at the time of that interview. She described non-stop emotional and verbal abuse aimed at all of the kids and her mum. She said her dad's physical abuse had started in 2017 when she was only 11. He had assaulted her on several occasions, including once when he had choked her to the point where she was convinced she would die. She also said that her dad would take her mum's phone to keep her from leaving the house and often told her mum how stupid and lazy she was. The police then talked to Tosha. Tosha told the police that she didn't want Michael arrested or charged. Instead, she hoped that their visit would just be a wake-up call to him. Now, police are trained to ask a series of questions to determine the severity of the risk. And some of these questions carry more weight than others. For example, if a yes is given to these following three questions, then the family or Tosha would have been seen as high risk and it would have triggered an automatic referral to a domestic violence shelter. So those three questions are, has he ever used a weapon against you or threatened you with a weapon? Had he ever threatened to kill you or the children? Do you think he might try to kill you? Tosha answered no to each of those three. Out of the total of 11 questions, Tosha answered yes to only two. They were yes that her husband had easy access to firearms and yes, they had at some point separated during their marriage. Tragically, she denied what Macy had told them, saying that Michael hadn't tried to control her daily activities or choked her or threatened to kill himself or followed and spied on her. So overall, her score, as it were, two out of 11, did not place her in the high-risk category. In Michael's interview, he insisted that the whole thing was just one big misunderstanding. But he did admit to spying on Tosha and taking her phone and iPad to work and reading her messages. According to him, he only did it to see whether or not Tosha and his sister-in-law were talking badly about him. So Macy had already told investigators that her dad often took her mum's phone to prevent her from leaving the house. So Michael was trying to control Tosha's life. He was spying on her. And although we don't know if he ever put his hands around Tosha's neck, he definitely had done it to Macy. So frankly, they were in the high-risk category. Just that choking incident on its own should have put them there. Both on this podcast and on my TikTok, I cover way too many cases of domestic violence, and nearly all of them have the same thing in common. Police have been called out before. 
it very rarely starts and ends with murder. Domestic violence can take so many forms and every single one needs to be taken seriously. A couple of episodes back on my TikTok, I covered the case of Alice Ruggles. Her killer, her boyfriend, hadn't laid a finger on her, but after she broke it off, he relentlessly stalked her and hacked into all of her social media accounts. She went to police and police spoke to him, but it still ended in a brutal murder. So whatever form it comes in, we need to take it seriously. Don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming police. They can't predict who will be the next domestic violence homicide victim. But research is starting to shine a light on how we can prevent them. Just getting real and personal here, in the seven years of domestic violence that I went through, strangulation was the form that my ex-husband chose to use. Interestingly, or tragically is probably a better word, a history of strangulation is not only a hallmark of domestic homicide, but it is also usually found in the history of violent perpetrators in just general. Some studies have shown that over 80% of offenders who kill have a strangulation history. So I consider myself just extremely fortunate and why I will continue to advocate for domestic violence to continually be a topic spoken about. I just mentioned Alice Ruggles. Stalking again, historically, is another red flag. Even though Michael described the entire investigation in 2020 as a misunderstanding, he did admit to stealing Tosha's iPad and phone without her permission to spy on her. In my opinion, regardless of what Tosha told them, his and Macy's versions should have overridden Tosha's. Even more telling was that after repeatedly denying that she felt she was in danger, as they were wrapping up, Tosha actually asked the officer, what's going to happen next? Are we safe? She's contradicting herself massively, which is not her fault. Believe me when I say your mind is a mess in these situations. But the professionals need to read between the lines. Studies also show that child abuse is another sign that often comes before family murders. And again, I'm proud of myself for having the courage to leave at that point when my youngest child was hit. So that 2020 police visit resulted in Michael being issued with a warning that his behaviour bordered on assaultive. They also advised him to stop interfering with his wife or daughter seeing a therapist. He did, and Tosha began seeing one. The appointment she missed the day she died, leading to the concerned call to police for a welfare check, was actually with a therapist at a woman's crisis centre. And the therapy had been working. She'd been getting stronger and more determined to get her and her children out of the abusive relationship. On December 21st, 2022, two weeks before the murders, she filed for divorce. Michael was served the papers at work on December 27. And in true narcissistic fashion, he point-blank refused to leave the house. Tosha's mum came to stay with her to support her and the kids through the separation and the divorce. Again, in 90 plus percent of these cases I research, they show the most dangerous time is when divorce or separation happens. The narcissist is losing their control over the partner, so they decide if she's going to leave, they're better off dead. And Tosha was scared. In those weeks before Michael murdered his family, Tosha spoke again to police, telling them that this time she was scared for her safety. She told a police officer that she didn't trust her husband. He had taken all the guns out of the house. She also told her therapist the same thing. Macy was also scared. 
The night before she died, she texted her friend saying that her dad was acting weird and she was worried. My heart honestly just breaks. I have a 17-year-old and I just get chills thinking about it. He knew that Tosha had made sure that when she filed for divorce, that both her and her mum were trained in how to use a gun properly. So I guess Michael, knowing what he was about to do, didn't want the risk of them defending themselves, so he took all the guns out of the house. He was described as a man who just snapped. And yes, we'll never know truly what happened in the hate household. After the murder, a woman named Lindsay posted on social media, quote, My brother and sister-in-law were good friends of theirs for years. My brother said he was controlling, manipulative and mentally abusive, but no one knew how bad until recently. He would demand that she have dinner on the table ready for when he got home. No one ate until he took a bite. If she was preparing dinner and he would call and want something else, she had to start over. Once he was late coming home, so she let the kids start eating. When he got home and saw the meeting without him, he threw all of the food on the floor and made her start dinner all over again. He controlled her friendships and what she could and could not do. He controlled her access to money and she had a meagre allowance to pay bills and care for the kids. He would hit her and choke her until she passed out. My brother says his biggest fear now is that he'll get off with the jury thinking he was a good guy who somehow snapped or had mental illness. He was not. End quote. This was not a flash in the pan. Tosha had been trapped in an abusive relationship for years. Domestic abusers, more often than not, run their relationships with manipulation, intimidation and control way before they even lay a finger on their partner. It's deliberate. They need you mentally broken first. Fortunately, most domestic violence doesn't end with murder. I'm proof of that, which I thank my lucky stars for. When it does, though, it's usually planned and premeditated. Again, 90 plus percent of the cases I've covered, they have been planned. When investigating the deaths, Michael's Google history uncovered that he had searched how loud the sound of different types of weapons might be and whether neighbours could hear them. He searched how loud is a 9mm, how loud is a 40mm, can you hear a gunshot in a house, can neighbours hear gunshots? Those searches were done on the night of December 30th, 2022 five days before the murders. Proof that he was planning and premeditating. But how did we get to that fateful night? Michael met Tosha Earl when they were studying in their early 20s. They met while both studying at Southern Utah University and they got married in May 2003. Both members of the LDS faith, Michael had served his mission time as is customary among Mormons in Brazil and Tosha was studying child development. After getting married, they settled in Enoch. Michael found work as an insurance agent and they began growing their family. By all accounts on the outside, the Hates were a picture-perfect family. Neighbours remembered the whole family hosting a walkabout in 2021 to bring the community together and they were often the first to welcome new residents to the neighbourhood. The day before the murders, Tosha had met with her divorce lawyer and had seemed super upbeat, feeling really positive about the divorce. And then later in the afternoon, her and one of her daughters were seen at a church event. Like I said, Michael had refused to move out since he was served the divorce papers. And from what I understand, he was living in the basement. The night before their bodies were found, he secretly recorded the evening's events. Police found around 72 minutes of audio on Michael's phone. 
He recorded himself in their home playing with his kids and having a discussion with Tosha about the dire state of their marriage. You can hear Michael and Tosha talking about child support payments and her attempts to get him to move out of the home. At one point, she tells him, I'm not safe with you, and that the couple's older children told her that the house was more tense when their dad was there. She finishes by saying, I cannot continue to tolerate the way you've treated me. The full recordings will be available on our Facebook discussion group. In another of the clips, Michael says to the kids, hey, we might go sledding again. We won't do that today, but we could go to the mountains maybe tomorrow or the next day. Just before 10pm, Michael texts Tosha asking to talk. She didn't reply. At 3.30am, a neighbour thought that they'd heard what sounded like gunshots, but instead they just put it down to fireworks. And it wouldn't be until 4pm that the officers and friends would find their bodies. Now, really interestingly, Michael had left a suicide note, but that suicide note was as delusional as he had acted at the end. It read, quote, This is nonsense and I can't handle it for one more day. We will not be a burden on society. I kept asking for help and you wouldn't listen. I would rather rot in hell than have to put up with another day of this manipulation and control over me. He essentially went on to blame Tosha, saying that he couldn't take her abuse any longer even though those previous investigations showed that the abuse only ever came from him. The reality was he didn't want the facade of perfection that he'd created in the community to be ruined. Tosha, her mum Gail and Tosha's four-year-old were found in the couple's first floor bedroom laying on pillows, partially covered with blankets and surrounded by blood. The other kids were found in various bedrooms throughout the home, all of them in their beds except for their seven-year-old, who was found on the floor. And then Michael, who was also found laying on the floor on top of a sleeping bag. Again, the body cam footage that has been released by police will also be available on our page. Child Protective Services revealed in documents obtained by the court that they had opened another investigation 11 days earlier based on Michael being accused of throwing his seven-year-old son to the ground after he got upset with him. Tosha told the caseworker that she was concerned about the tone that her husband had used and how he looks when he is angry. But she asked caseworkers not to interview him until after she'd filed for divorce, which, like I said, happened on December 21st, and he got the papers a week later. She told them that Michael had threatened to take his own life or make her life hell if she left him. Caseworkers tragically never got a chance to interview Michael. They reported that they weren't now waiting on Tosh's approval, it was just the investigation taking its natural next steps. What those documents revealed was that the 2020 report hadn't been the only incident. In 2021, Michael had purposely slammed on the brakes while they were all in the car. Not only did it scare the family, but it left red marks from the seatbelts on their bodies. What kills me is that these three reports, 2020, 2021, and then 11 days before their deaths, were all reported by Macy, the eldest child. Man, did she try saving her family. And I refuse to be angry at Tosha because until you've walked in those shoes, you don't know how you'll react. But the whole thing just breaks my heart. In that final report, Macy said that her dad would tower over her and her siblings and get close to them to make them feel intimidated. Quote, Dad jumps to react to anything he doesn't like. He yells a lot and wants to make sure that they know he is right. End quote. 
And as for that now removed obituary, it's not known who wrote the glowing tribute, but Michael is survived by his mum, siblings and grandparents. And again, it will be available with the rest of our case photos. The police in the small town are still investigating the tragedy. And when researching this case, I came across a statistic that honestly made my blood run cold. Over the last 20 years, family mass killings across the United States occurs on average every three and a half weeks. That to me is just absolutely devastating and terrifying. As we've seen in today's case, physical violence often comes after a long history of manipulation and control. Michael controlled Tosha's access to money, food and friendships for years. Through his constant criticism and belittlement, he also controlled her self-esteem. And finally, when he saw her slipping through his fingers, his behaviour escalated. And when that failed, he murdered his entire family. If you're to believe his original obituary, he was simply a good man who snapped. But personally, I'll go with the three investigations that highlighted abuse, his Google searches, and the fact that Tosha wanted to divorce him. If she was his abuser, why would she want him to leave? Thanks for listening. To see today's case photos, click on the link in the case description to join the Cup of Coffee and Crime Facebook discussion group. And if you're enjoying being here, please leave a review on whatever platform you get your podcasts. Until next week, stay safe. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.